Welcome back to the Kingsway Podcast. This today is part two of our conversation with Matthew McBirth on the origin of the Bible, kind of how we got the collection of 66 ancient books that we buy at Lifeway. Um, so if you haven't seen part one, that's going to be kind of important to understanding part two. Um, so if you haven't seen it, just go back either on our YouTube page or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, go back and watch that, and that'll make part two make a lot more sense. So without further ado, here we go. Yeah, I. this may be the more boring part of the podcast, but I feel like we can't answer uh, unnamed Kingswade podcast listeners' question, mm. uh, <clears throat> Zach, uh, unless uh. <laughs> we... Talk a little bit about manuscript history. Sure. Not even necessarily oh, gosh, super yeah. specifics, but okay, just <laughs> in general, autographs, manuscripts, yeah. dating, sure. distance between when it was yeah. originally scrolls. written. Yeah. 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 So I don't know what this does whenever I say it to people. When I say it to my students, I wonder what their response is always going to be. And I don't know. Maybe they hate me whenever I say it. But we an autograph, as you just said, we don't mean in the sense of a celebrity signing something. When someone says an autograph and they're talking about ancient texts, they mean this is the original thing. Yeah. This is the original. So when they say the autograph of Matthew, they mean Matthew literally putting pen to paper or pen to papyrus, right? And having that, that would be an autograph, not a copy, right? If you get a copy, it's not the, it's a copy. It's not an autograph. We do not have, at least we don't believe, the autographs of any Hebrew Bible or New Testament book, document. right? Yeah. yeah, document. And so I don't know how, how people feel about that, right? That, that may make someone feel very uncertain. Like we don't have the original anymore. But we have manuscripts that date pretty close to the original. And again, this is where history comes into. You're like, but, but I can't but, know for certain. Like, <laughs> But talk to me about because how yeah. many ancient texts that old do we have that's yeah. that? I mean, yeah. we have almost... Zero, yeah. right? Like yeah. I don't even oh. know if we have Shakespeare's, no. any of his. Okay, so like this so is I, not a this is not a Bible problem. This is Bible an problem. ancient problem. It's, a, a, <laughs> it's an ancient problem, and it's what happens when you get something called as the Dark Ages, and everything mm. goes downhill, and you lose things, and people burn things, or like a third of Europe dies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I like to say this: the New Testament. Let's just just focus on the New Testament. And we'll talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is um, going to deal with a lot of the Old Testament. Um, New Testament, when it comes to the original Greek language is what the New Testament was written in. We have over 6,000 manuscripts. That is more than any other ancient text yeah. written in the same language. Yeah. If you want to take another ancient text around in the Greco-Roman time, another famous one, one of the most famous would be the Iliad, right? Yeah. Written by Homer. That that book is becomes a key and when, um, what document year is that? whenever it's written. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I think it's 300. 300. I was gonna say <sighs> yeah. I thought it was I thought it was beyond yeah. even. Uh-huh. Don't hold me to it, but I think it's around then. I think it's either the 300s or the 3rd century, yes, and I'm not yeah. sure which one. Um, but that, that book becomes so foundational that it's how they teach kids. It's part, it becomes part of the education. Yeah. Not just Greeks, but Romans, right? Yep. So it's really key. We only have 600 yeah. manuscripts, Greek manuscripts of the Iliad, yeah. right? And so it's funny, because I, I, I do some reading into the Iliad to figure out some things. Um only the super nerds know that there can be some textual discrepancies or something like that. But even they don't freak out about it. Yeah. They're kind of just like, 
yeah, this manuscript says this, this manuscript says this, we're actually pretty sure it's this because, mm-hmm. and here's the reason why. With the New Testament, so you have 6,000 to compare yeah. to each other. And the discrepancies are very little. Well, and I so, know, yeah, I know in my 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 little study, and I don't want to cut you off. I'm, no, I'm just good. trying to like, like I know from my emphasis, I think about how much confidence I have that Julius Caesar existed, yeah. and how little ev- evidence we really have <laughs> that he did. Like we have coins, we have some like you know Josephus wrote a little bit, and we have maybe maybe like sixteen copies of his. Yeah. I don't you know like yeah. we have very few. Yeah, you know who's an ancient who wrote about the cat you know the the fall of uh, yes. Jerusalem in seventy A.D. And 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 how confident I was as a kid, and then you hear things like hey, yes. we don't have the original text, and it's like Alexander the Great would yeah. be even someone even yeah. more more pivotal, right? I mean, Julius Caesar is a big deal, but compared to Alexander the Great, I mean, this dude literally took Greek culture and spread it across the entire world, at least the known world. Three continents. We <laughs> do we do not have anything that was written within his lifetime about him. About him. Holy. Cow. And we do not have anything within two hundred years of his life. Right, we have people talking about him, but they are decades upon hundreds of years later, later. than he is. Yeah, right. And but we have no doubt that Alexander the Great existed. Right, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because one of the reasons we're going to say something happened. Yep, that made Greek culture spread everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and these documents are saying is this guy, and there's a lot of documents saying is this guy. He must exist, right? He must have existed. He must have done these things because look at the aftermath. And we have books written about Jesus, right, that are within 100 years of his life. Manuscripts, manuscripts. So one of the earliest manuscripts we have, we believe, is can be dated within the second century, probably mid-second century, maybe late second century, okay? Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more than 100 years after Jesus' life, right? Mm -hmm. But that is... Rare, yeah, super rare. And I I always find it funny. It is of the Gospel of John, which is one of the later Gospels written, but it's the the earliest manuscript. But it would make sense that God, the Gospel of John, is the one because he's taken the most time and the most care, and his popularity would have been at an all-time high by the time he released his gospel. He's one of the later disciples, or he's one of the latest living disciples, right? So he lives longer. Mm -hmm. We think traditionally he lives the longest, more than any other disciples. Um, And we know actually his people that followed him, so Polycarp and Irenaeus and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. We can definitely see why. Well, and he didn't have the he didn't have the ability to to get around campfires with everybody. He was he was trapped, yeah, so he had to write. Yeah. Can't go yeah. anywhere. You yes. know, it's like yeah. so. Like I, I can just see how he's like. All right, I'll bring the word to you. <clears throat> exactly. I can't teach it. Talk to you about it. Exactly. I'll bring it to you. So yeah, and that's why. So autographs. Yeah, that can make us feel a little bit weird. But when we look at the rest of this history, it's like actually we have it better than everyone else does. Yeah. That we are actually way closer to the life of Jesus and the, the life of the church. Um, and we have more manuscripts that talk yeah. about the New Testament times than any other manuscript in its original language, which becomes really key. Like to have a, to have a manuscript, so a copy of the autograph written in the same language is huge yeah. because translation, as everyone knows, yeah. it, it can get things can get muffled and lost in translation. That's why we use that phrase. So as soon as you go from Greek to Aramaic or Greek to Latin, which Latin, is what happens, yeah. you could be losing something. Yeah. Um, and we have six thousand manuscripts that 
we are know for sure are written by are that are written in the same language as the autograph. So that's cool. The Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know if you'll want to go there or if you have a follow up with it. Sure. We're kind of circling, which I, I like. I think, I think it's really fun to, to just mention too. The manuscripts are found all over the place. All over. They're not found in one of the towns that you know. They're not all just found in Rome or Alexandria where we just pulled them all from. And I, I you know, the little the little writings and things that I've read about this back in you know 15 years ago that probably has advanced an immense amount of time. That's probably I love talking about this now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool to recognize that they have manuscripts that are written in the same language that are from similar times, from similar towns, oh, or you know, from yes, distant yeah. towns that match yes. so incredibly well. And yeah. Yeah. that's that's just a that's a kind of sign like a, you know, <laughs> I always think it's funny, it's like Pride and Prejudice or like a you know, a book that we would call a classic, you know, like To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. If you found one in in uh, LA and then you found one in Maine and they both lined up in English, you would be like, well, they're probably the same book. And so it's exactly, it's very, it's very cool to see that 6,000 is like you said, an ancient text of that old, it's unheard of Yeah, to uh, tie this a little bit to something that may be more on the ground level for yeah. our average church listener. Yeah. Um, I very, very lightly, bashed the King James in a few verse of the day <laughs> podcasts ago. I don't remember which How one it was, but I think it was you. John 14 or something where mm. then he talks about, um, uh, the mansions, mansions in oh, heaven. Yeah. And I talk about how, uh, there's two big issues with the King James one. Oh. It pulls from the Vulgate a yeah. lot, the Latin Bible where yeah. it doesn't have, um, Greek manuscripts. And secondly, they had like, I don't know, six. Yeah. My, my right on that. I'm not sure. So there, there are all these like, not violent, but like like militant, sometimes malicious sounding videos on the internet that are like King James only people yeah. who are like, did you know that the new international version takes out 16 <laughs> verses of the Bible? Uh, well, you know what that is, is that's us going from six to 6,000 manuscripts yep. and saying, we think this verse was an addition at some manuscript in like a thousand AD or something, yep. trying to clarify the verse before or something like that. Yep. And uh, this verse, and it's of the, of the, I don't know how many there are, but hundreds of thousands of verses in the New Testament. I'm totally making that number up, but sure. it seems right. Yeah. Seems right. Uh, <laughs> of that Go many, there are 16 where it's questionable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, I don't know that there's a book that's only 16 verses. Yeah. Like, we're, we're good. Yeah. Philemon, maybe? Yeah. Philemon's close. Seriously. Jude's yes. close. Yeah. Like, it's astounding. It's, it's one of those yeah. moments where, again, you just have to look at it and say, Something was happening bigger than what we can just logically explain. But yeah, yeah. So it's so amazing, and I think yes, that so the KJV is. I had I've heard a, I've heard horror stories, kind of similar, just in the yeah. sense of, you know, KJV being the being the almost as if the KJV was the autograph. So you know, it's like okay, it's not. But we have discovered so many more manuscripts, yeah. and key is even with the Old Testament, KJV was written before the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh yeah thousands right yep. of manuscripts right and part and, and, and yeah. parts of manuscripts so like that immediately makes the kjv doesn't mean make it bad actually many hebrew scholars would still say like kjv is written really well um but they're missing out on manuscripts yeah. that we have now um it doesn't mean that the theology changes in the following or in the finding of those manuscripts but, but it refines. Exactly. It refines. It makes us more confident. It can change a word that actually gets better at the connotation that the author means it. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah. just do a fly over that. So For this sure. is Old Testament um, 
we don't get any autographs from this either, yeah. but it, it does gives us, it gives us a large portion. It, it was found so, I would say so like not that long ago. Like, I don't yeah. know how to say it. like, so, so late in yep. the game. Cause yeah. it's yeah. 20th century, yep. right? Yeah. Crazy. So found in 1947, 1946 um, is when the first cave and this is, so this is going to be near the dead sea in the middle East. Um, you should think, when you look at it, it is just barren, and there's tons of cliffs, and there's these little holes in the cliffs that are caves, that are legitimate caves. The story is crazy. This kid's just walking around, and he throws, he's just throwing rocks into these caves. He throws a rock into a cave, and he hears glass break. And that's how the Dead Sea Scrolls are found, right? Um, and so in them are just hundreds upon thousands, as they continue to discover over the next decades, just manuscripts in the Hebrew language, which again becomes Gosh. very key that in Hebrew of books outside of the Old Testament, but tons of manuscripts from books in the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so that becomes very key because that is, these are manuscripts that we date to as old as like 200 BC, 200 BC. Um, 200 years before Jesus was walking. That's how Gosh. old some of these manuscripts are. I got to see one of the Dead Sea Scrolls at the History of the Bible Museum oh in D.C. I want to go there and so badly. it was yeah. Isaiah, and it, it wasn't <sighs> Isaiah 53, which I was like, please be Isaiah 53. <laughs> it's not Isaiah 53, but it was Isaiah yeah. 6, okay. which was, oh. I was, I was like, ah, this it's is a bad, passage. It's yes. not a bad one. Yes. Um, but it was really yeah. cool and that's see. And yeah, they find um, the, like a complete scroll of Isaiah during these excavations. Mm-hmm. Like, so you just know, Isaiah played, and again, Isaiah is not part of the Torah. No. Right? It's part of the prophets, which is solidified later. Yep. But you know they were all like, this book is so important to yep. who we are, what's going on, yeah. who God is. That they, That's one of the only complete manuscripts that we have um, from, from from the Dead Sea. Well, so, and it, it was, I mean, here's, we were talking about this earlier, how God can use all different sects of people, or sects yeah. of people, like meaning different denominations, different S-E-C-T-S. beliefs. S-E-C-T-S. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, he can word, use seriously. all those yeah. different uh, <laughs> groups of yes, people. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because of, uh, you know, and we don't always have to completely understand exactly how God is using them because this was a very, like, I would say, crazy break off of a Jewish. Definitely separatist. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. like, they were, I think, you know, from the little I've read on them, they believed it was their job to keep that that oral tradition alive yeah. and their their belief system alive, and so they wrote these down as yeah. kind of like a continuation that the, that that no matter if they live or die, yeah. they'll be you know captured. Yeah, they saw themselves as the true Israelites. That's how they referred to themselves, and so they 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 thought the Jerusalem leaders were were corrupt. Um, they thought the Pharisees weren't holy enough. Not untrue. Just, <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> like, it's like out of all the groups, you know, the Jew, ancient Jewish groups are Medi- Mediterranean, sorry, anti- antiquity. You would think the Pharisees are going to be the most holy of holy, you uh-huh. know, Pharisee of Pharisees, as Paul calls himself. And these guys are just like, they're not holy enough, actually. So we're just going to leave. So mm-hmm. they just go, they just go off into the wilderness. I think the only person that can at least give us a glimpse um, from the New Testament of this group of, they're called the Essenes, is, is kind of what, is what we would call them, um, would be someone like John the Baptist. Yeah. I don't think John the Baptist is an Essene, but think of someone who is goes into the wilderness, he's a teacher from the wilderness, knows his stuff, and challenges the religious leaders of the day. That is what this group 
found themselves to or, or, or thought of themselves to be. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And so even though they were maybe a minority yeah. or they definitely weren't the majority yeah. at the time, um, they kept you know, all of these. Yeah, they yeah, kept they, all of them. Well, their yeah. devotion and like their obedience to even even if it wasn't always in the exact light that probably God would want, you know, God's like, you know, I can use that. Yeah. Like, I can use that. Yeah. And even though it's two thousand yeah. years later. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing because before, so let me just kind of even put it more into into our hands before we find the Dead Sea Scrolls, the earliest. Um, manuscripts of the Hebrew Bible, right? Or traditions of it. So copies of it, we think can go to after AD 500. Wow. Okay. So this is 500, this is 400 and something years after Jesus, right? Now we find almost a thousand years years later, or more more than a thousand years later, right? Yeah. These manuscripts hidden in this, in these caves that are, some of them dated 200 years before Jesus. And this is where it becomes amazing. When you compare those manuscripts that we have, we would call it the Masoretic text. That's, That's going to be the 8500 and all. Yeah. That's the Masoretic text. Um, the family that kind of puts themselves as like the people who are going to keep it is called the Ben Asher family. Um, when you compare their work um, of just keeping these texts moving on generation to generation to the Dead Sea Scrolls of the Hebrew Bible, they are so similar to each other. That is so cool. So you have manuscripts that are over... 500 years old, different from each other, but they are the same, right? The text is, like, you might find some 10 generations. Yeah. Like, you find some grammar that's different, right? And that's what happens when you are just, you know, transcribing things that you decide to do something different grammatically. And so what what, kind of seals the deal for me is this, and it doesn't have to seal the the deal for everyone. I think Jesus is God. Yeah. Um, And... If we have, and, and Jesus thinks the Bible, this, his Old Testament, his Hebrew Bible is written by God and he, by him, you know. Mm. Um, and we have manuscripts that are dated before the incarnation of Jesus, meaning that these are, he knows these texts, right? He knows these, 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 these um, documents and he reads them and he continues to teach from them. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's right, good these, it's yeah. going to be good enough for me. Right, um, that he doesn't find them questionable. That he's not saying, "Well, it's not written when Abraham's right there." You know, like these mm-hmm. are co- copies of it. He doesn't wrestle with autographs. He doesn't wrestle with that. He's like, "No, this is it." There's this, there's this faithful or there's this faith that God's going to be faithful enough to keep His word going and passing down. Absolutely, um, that Jesus had, and I think that we should have. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I, yeah. So here's the here's the fun thing, right? Yeah. Ryan and I have touched this on the podcast. So you know, there's going to be a few more con- councils, and they're going to have to decide on what the New Testament canon is going to have to be, and that's going to be fought over yeah. several different times. And yeah. we're going to have this Catholic Roman, you know, and then this different Orthodoxy down in Egypt. That's in the, kind of the marks. What is that called? Uh, uh, You're talking Alexandria yeah. and. Antioch, the uh, oh yeah, 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 and so you're gonna have a little bit of a divide there, but truly we don't see the explosion of what the Mm -hmm. Bible is until Martin Luther. Yes, I mean that really because it's it's almost like this like thousand year of like like fights and like but it's there's no there's no printing press no so nothing really dominates yes you know what I mean nothing really dominates until you get to that yes 
Yeah. So talk a little bit about how it gets from Greek and then it goes into Latin and then yeah. the Catholic Church just seems to dominate its control yeah. over it mm-hmm. for a long period. So yeah, so it's written in Greek. And again, this is the New Testament in particular, of course. It's, it's written in Greek. Um, and we see pretty early on most of the New Testament books that we have today are used in worship service and teaching. There's a few other books that they see as important. Um, the Shepherd of, Her- of Hermas would be one of those, which is, an int- it's, it's, if you read it, you're like, this book's awesome. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's really, you're like, this is awesome. You know, so, um, and when I say like pretty early on, you have people like um, Origen, he's going to be an early church father yeah. who is, he is fluent in Hebrew and Greek. Wow. And he sees the books that we have today as all authoritative, the New Testament, that is. Yeah. Um, so pretty early on, it's going to be Athanasius is going to be the guy in the 300s who solidifies. The canon. This is the canon. Okay. And the um, this is where it gets interesting. Emperor Constantine, yep. of course, says yes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some years later, Augustine, which is a very important theologian, yep. of course, will say he agrees with Athanasius on it as well. So there seems to be commonality that these are the books. Of and whether our Bible. it's a political move at the time exactly. or whether it's an actual desire of their hearts, it seems like the way has now become it kept going. Yeah, it's yeah. now become so popular that it's it's impossible for them to ignore yeah. and almost beneficial for them to agree with. Exactly. Okay. And I would even say it's we we shouldn't think oh, well, Constantine and Athanasius, maybe these two guys just love each other and they agree. Like, Constantine eventually, like, makes Athanasius go into exile. Yeah. So it's not for that reason, but they're not, like, best friends, yeah. right? It's Athanasius beneficial is obs- at the moment. Yeah. They're, like, they're just like, no, this is it, right? Um, so that's going to be, of course, all, all in the Greek, but it's, it is um, put into whatever, stone mm. then. But it seems pretty early on, orally, they were doing all these books. It moves into Latin in the 400s, late 300s, yep. solidified in the four, in the early 400s by a guy named St. Jerome. Um, and why was the main reason that they moved it to Latin? Was it the common language at the time? A la- it's, a, it's a very common language. You have um, the church in Rome. They're going to speak Latin. That's the main language. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a dominant language. It's an academic language um, okay. as well. Okay. And so you just have people like Augustine who... That's his main language is Latin. So he yeah. wants it in Latin. Yeah. And I don't think and he's not the one that commissions it. Um, it's going to be a pope that, that commissions for it, for it to happen. But a lot of Christians speak Latin. Done. And so they want it in that language. And by a lot of Christians, I mean a lot of Christian teachers. Yeah. Right. Because the common person can't read um, at, at that time. So, so, so 380, 410, whenever this is. Yes. What happens, what happens after that? Because once it's Gosh. transferred to Latin, it seems to be out of... Yeah, it seems to be a kind of out of pocket for a while. The Bible yeah. seems to keep; it stays at the higher echelons of leadership. It stays to the higher echelons of of maybe I want to call them pastors or priests, um, but it doesn't really seem to be the language it's of the not people. The common people. Yeah, yes. again, it's going to be priests, bishops, um, and just religious teachers, Christian teachers. So that's who we should think speaks Latin and, and the and popes, of course. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the date. 1300s, okay. I believe, is yeah. when uh, John Wycliffe yep. is like, yo, this can be really bad that the common Christian can't read the Bible in their own language. Yeah. Right. And so he sets out to translate the Bible into English. English yep. Yes. Okay. And he, and, 
dies for it. I believe it's John Wycliffe that dies for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have so you have the Wycliffe Bible as translated into English in the 1300s. I think it's mid to late 1300s when the project starts and ends. You have Tyndale that comes after him yep. that, that does it as well. Yeah. And so that's why those those um you'll hear the Wycliffe Bible or the Tyndale, the Tyndale Bible. Bible. Those are very important because of just that is when it is officially translated into English, which is going to be, which is becoming more uh, common language. Um, Martin Luther translates this in the German in the 1500s, right? Um, my dates are so bad. <laughs> no, no, no. People. But I, I think it's important. Yeah. Like people can go and look these up on Wikipedia. Exactly. And Wikipedia is much more trustworthy yep. in this stuff. Seriously, and, yes. And so yeah. I think the other side too is to notice that the Wycliffe and the Tyndale are going to benefit also from the Gutenberg Press. And uh, though they're written hundreds of years before, as soon as that German Bible starts getting pumped out, those English Bibles are getting pumped out yes. too. And it's part of the movement. And yeah. more and so, manuscripts have been found. You have, and and this is where it gets interesting with Mar- Martin Luther. Um, he knows language very yeah. well. Yeah. And so it, and he's beer. not just... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And Sorry. he knows how to have dates, too. <laughs> and the beer part didn't help either. <laughs> no, but Martin Luther knows ancient languages. Um, so he doesn't have to just rely on the Latin Vulgate. No. And which means he can actually get to the original language and, and translate it into the common language of his day. And that is just very important because, again, translation can make something change that you don't want changed, right? Mm. It can change meaning. It can change um, the tone of a text, right? So it becomes very important that he's actually able to look at the original language. And please, some of these people that we're talking about, go, and if you're like, I don't know who that is, just pause the video. Yeah. Go do a little bit of research because – Martin Luther is worth investigating. Yeah. He's got his thesis that he types, you know, he basically yeah. writes out and slaps on the door. Yeah. Um, basically a bunch of things that he saw the Catholic Church doing that he thought was unjustified through his own studies. Yes. And then he yeah. actually translates the whole Bible. Isn't it less than a year or is it any year? I forget how it's, short of a time. It is short stupid. timing. It's while he's in exile, I believe. Yeah. He, he yeah. legitimately does it in a such a short time yeah. and makes it happen because he's under threat yes. and he didn't he didn't he wants to get it out. And again that's like it's like this this is for the common Christian, right? Every mm-hmm. Christian should be able to read the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every Christian should be able to know what the Torah is, right? Yep. Like this is like this is what we live by. This is the way, right? Yep. And it helps us understand that. And so, why should we? T- why should we just have to rely on people who know Latin, yep. right? When we don't speak Latin, right? Yep. And that's the that's, that's, the, that's the reason why. And that's the reason why Martin Luther even struggles with things that the that the church teaches sometimes. He's like, he doesn't see that in scripture. Yeah. So they'd been keeping scripture back in this language. So it wasn't the common language remaking it into an oral tradition. Yeah. Like it used to be, but with the downside of we actually have the written words and we're not going to show you and you wouldn't understand them anyway. Yeah. So trust us when we tell you. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And that's how we get, I mean, this is so oversimplified, but that's how we get, Purgatory. That's how we get penance. Yep. Paying for your sins with money. Yes. Or or indulgence treasures or yes, whatever exactly. indulgences, etc. Yeah, exactly. And to say I don't know where that's at in scripture. And again, some people would even still argue that that's you know worth looking through. Which, but I would say the the whole point though is to say 
you will not find the word purgatory or a word for purgatory in mm-hmm. the in the Old Testament. Oh, the Testament, theology right? of convenience, right? I mean, yes, that's yes. Uh, and like yeah. propaganda. I I think even the Catholic Church now looks back and sees that there was there was mistakes yes. and things that were made, yeah. and they've made some changes. Purgatory is one of those that I think. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a waiting time, but I don't yeah. think it's ever declared in the ways that it's been taught at times. And I'm not an expert in Catholic theology, sure. but I think yeah. this is the por- important time to make sure that the distinction of Martin Luther from the Catholic Church is the beginning of the Protestant movement. Yes. And so that's where the break in the 1500s uh, officially happens. And if we're, we're a non denominational Christian church, so we are officially a part of the. You know, anti-baptist protestant movement you know like anabaptist like like (laughs) that's just kind of what we are and so people don't even know that they're like we're what what you know like yeah we're german no i was baptized yeah yeah and it is good to say that the catholic church did recognize those things that they had their they had their own reformation actually you know in the sense of okay we need to yeah we need to actually reevaluate the things that we have done that are not not the greatest so took a minute it took him in. It took, <laughs> took four hundred years. And there, problems. Look, yes, yes. And there are times that I I do think that the Pope, at its best, does represent Jesus in a really fun yeah. and incredible way. And yeah. I don't want to knock that. I think there's going to be a lot of people in Jesus, as uh, C.S. Lewis says all the time. If sure. sin can kill with one ounce of, if God can kill with one ounce of sin, then surely He can save with one mm. ounce of faith. Mm. And so, you know, whatever that theology sure. is, let's sure. just give grace yeah. to that. Yeah. However, I do think it's worth our investigation to find the purest forms of Jesus, because uh, seeing Jesus. This is clearly as possible is important. Exactly. Um, so 1500s to now, what, I mean, what did we go through? Is it, <laughs> <laughs> Tons of different translations because of theological issues. And that's, yep. and I mean, like, and that's not the only thing. Again, like language develops. Yep. We do not speak old English anymore. No, so Shakespearean's kind of dead. Yes. <laughs> so it has to stay up to date. And, and again, you find more manuscripts. And the biggest thing is going to be, after Martin Luther's, the Dead Sea Scrolls are found. So now you have the Hebrew Bible. And I'm going to say with that, you have, um, or, or, sorry, you have manuscripts that are very old of the Hebrew Bible. Mm. I want to say with that this, you understand the world better yeah. as well. Yeah. And so, again, with the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's not just the Hebrew Bible. You can go buy, you can go buy a book from like Penguin Press of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you're going to read what was life like for these Essenes Scenes, in the middle yeah. of the wilderness. What did they think about holiness? What did they think about righteousness? What, did they, what does, and so then you find eventually stuff like for mm. about Josephus writing things down. What was the, mm. who were the Pharisees in Josephus' mind, right? Mm. So I'm not saying don't think about the Pharisees, um, I'm sorry, you can definitely think about the Pharisees from the lens of the Gospels. Definitely do that. But it's also going to be helpful to see what are the Pharisees like from the lens of Josephus, who actually thinks the Pharisees are pretty amazing. Yeah. Right? And it makes you look at the Pharisees differently, and it makes you wonder about their interaction of Jesus more. Mm-hmm. So the theology and the history that we find through these manuscripts that are both in the Bible, outside of the Bible, help us be able to translate the Bible better, right? Yeah. To get the right tone, meaning, grammar of it. Um, so again, so it's translations, just continue keeping it, trying to make it into the, in the language of contemporary times. Um, different yes. movements use it in different ways. Yeah, It comes across, I know, even like growing up, memorizing everything in the King James. Yeah, And then, you know, 1984, the NIV, and, yes. You know, kind of becomes this like new movement. What, what Bible, what, so, what translation do you all use? So, so I, I'm an NIV, NIV a new yeah. NIV, but I, I prefer the NLT. 
Okay. But I like the ESP to study. Okay. So it's one of those. Really, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> different translations for different moments. I yes. love reading out of the NLT. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, for like our church. Yeah. One of the reasons is um, the Greek textbook we used used past tense might still use mm. at Ozark is by Bill Mounts. Yes. And Bill yeah. Mounts was on the translation team for the ESV. Oh, was and he then really? he okay. was on the team for the NLT. Okay. And he had a video talking about both, and he was. Like specifically to the more phrase for phrase translation haters. Yeah. He was like, I was on the ESV team and that was hard. And then I went to the NLT and it was twice as hard <laughs> because we had to do all the same work we did for the ESV and then say, How does a 21st century Western Gosh. English speaker yeah. understand that those words and ideas? Exactly. And then retranslate it from just English words to English ideas. Yes. Oh gosh! And I was like, okay, now I love. I that just many blessings upon people that that can do that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing. Well, and the English language is written in such when we are such a language of um, you know phrases yeah. and words that mean something completely different in slang than yep. they do literally. It's just constantly evolving. And it's constantly changing. Yeah. I mean, the newest the newest forms of of verbiage that comes out of like some of our streaming gaming services mm-hmm. and like the kids that yeah. use that language now that I'm thinking about what my in 50 years yeah will there be a translation you know, that reflects like, that yeah. like well they know what nope. oh yeah it means no, like exactly no, they, you know, like not will. at all exactly <laughs> and we'll so. need a new translation yeah yeah and that's why i, I almost even said what, what what bibles do you all use right but mm-hmm. we, it's important to say no these are different translations yep um of the same manuscripts right that we say you know we we trust in these manuscripts and that's why like a study bible or or a bible that just has some footnotes in it is amazing yeah, yep because it'll actually tell you when there is a difference in manuscripts and they'll say hey just yeah. so you know there's this and i love that because it makes you wrestle with it and oh yeah okay if i read it in this way this is how it comes across if i read it in this way it comes across you know so it can come across yeah. a little bit different um but it's usually just going to be grammatical differences in, in those we're in just those, learning yeah. about john 8 the woman caught in adultery and yeah, how little textual confidence there is in that my students hate it when i talk about that text yeah i love the story it's an amazing story and i will i will probably continue to teach it yeah. but i have to get more of an addendum because it's yes. there's probably less evidence to that than to the ending of mark yeah and which is so sad to say yep. because I love that story yep. so yeah. much and i would say <laughs> the reason why you love the story and the reason why we even wrestle with it and i would say the reason why um, translate our translation committees continue to keep it in is because it, it doesn't fits. seem to go against Jesus' teaching in way. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no, it this <fits>. like <laughs> people are like, yeah, I could totally see Jesus doing this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, but I tell students, hey, we don't. The earliest manuscripts don't have it. Like it could have just been added on. But some people actually argue. This is where it gets interesting. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe we won't. No no this. no. Go go go. Do some it. people argue that. Because so what we've been talking about is textual criticism. Right? Yep, we have been. that's the that's the biggest thing. Ma- comparing manuscripts, dating manuscripts, and trying to figure out what's the earliest. Manuscript. Each version, each yes. version of the Bible yes. is that exactly. to a degree. Exactly. Yeah. Then you get into another area, which is literary criticism, which is just actually doing like literary studies of books. So here's the here's the argument. Some people argue that John eight that story fits very well literarily in the Gospel of Luke. Mm. And that it actually may be part of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and again, we can't say for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to a professor. The detail here in it is yeah. insane. But I mean, this thing—it's Luke cares so much about Jesus' interaction with women. 
right? So much, he, more than anyone else, it seems that he is focusing on that, right? Um, and he's dealing with, you know, the Old Testament and law, but the traditions of the fathers, the traditions of, of, the, of the scribes, and that's all throughout there. So some people argue, literarily, that that story might Should be, be found in the Gospel of Luke, and that somehow it got out of it, and it found its way in the Gospel of John. There's no proving it. Yeah. But it's just interesting to say, this seems to be a pretty early thing, though. It doesn't seem to come into our books, our Bibles, later on. It's pretty early story. And I know this so, is like yeah. super high critical thinking, and I'm, I apologize. If you if you are paying attention, you are watching it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you Seriously. right now. I'm so proud of you, Mom. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, you know, the yeah. other side of it, too, is because of how late and how old that John became, potentially he wrote different versions of his own gospel with additions of different stories and different things. So, yeah. you know, it's not saying that this isn't something that um, needs to be justified yep. to, to be seen as valuable, yep. but I could see him putting out a version and then someone else visiting him on the island and him being reminded of something and going like, man, that would have been really cool to put Could in. I'm going to put that in the next one. We'll add that in right here. Sure. And, you know, that version went went west and the other version went sure. east. And, you know, yeah, I don't we know. don't know. We you don't know. know. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard. It does fit very well when I think about it in the sense of unilater- unilaterally yeah. with who Jesus is. But it also needs to be properly understood and not taught in a way that, like like at times I was growing up without knowing that this is something worth knowing yeah. and thinking about is the sense of yeah. textual criticism. Most definitely. Golly, this has been an awesome episode. I hope so. It yeah. makes my it makes yeah, my heart it. so happy. And yeah. I I hope unknown questioner Zach, uh, that you enjoyed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your yeah. episode. Yeah. Um here's the the fun thing. If you had some questions about what we talked about, I'm sure uh, Matthew would love to yes. give his personal phone number and email. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> his personal order from Hackett's. Everything. He would love to do an oral Social history translation with you. Yeah. No, uh, we would love to get those. Uh, Ryan has uh, obviously a way that we can get in contact through email. You can always look us up at kingswaymo.com. Uh, send me or Ryan an email with any questions. You can always try to get a hold of us through social media. We always appreciate any questions, any criticisms, or any thoughts that we need to continue to flush out or any things that you're pushing back on that maybe you've been taught differently. Um, again, we are just trying to be people that uh, love to learn and continually ask the question, uh, well, what else What else can we learn? What else is there to learn? Uh, we believe that looking at something more intensely only shows God's beauty and creation in deeper mm. ways, yeah. and there's nothing to be afraid of that, and he is in charge of all things. Yeah. So the Bible is nothing different, and one of the things I loved at lunch that we talked about is uh, the first century church fell in love with Jesus far before it fell in love even with the Hebrew Bible. It, yeah. it just fell in love with the concept of a man that would come, love so deeply, give so selflessly, and then offer hope so generously. Yeah. And I think that's at the center of both the Hebrew Bible as a picture of hope uh, that they're Definitely. looking forward to in the future and a picture of the New Testament that we look back to yeah. that we uh, trust God's faithfulness moving forward. So it's a beautiful story, a beautiful thing worth fighting for and studying, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have your own idea, I think we said this at the beginning, but I want yeah. to reiterate it. This episode is entirely because somebody said, I would like an episode about something like this. Yep. So if you're curious about something, you want to know more yep. about something, um, we do live 45 minutes away from a college that does know everything. That has um, almost <laughs> doctors. <laughs> they have accumulated all yes. knowledge. Yes. Um, but we have a, we have a wide a variety of uh, experts and or almost experts on a lot of things. So. Incredible. Um, just let us know. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew, so much. Yeah. For being thank on. you all for inviting me. This is 
It's a lot of fun. fun. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You guys have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later. See ya.